Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Mr. LaRue, you there? I am. All right, let's get rolling here. It, Justin has already requested. Let's bring him on right now. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? We can. Yeah, we can. What's going oh. on, Justin? Doing well, thanks. Um, so I had a, had a bit of a retrospective question for you guys. I've been listening to you all since summer of 2015, so so quite a wow. while now. Yeah, um, back in the first Warrior, Warriors-Cavs era. Um, and looking back at, you know, there's been plenty of contracts signed in that time, some good, plenty of bad. Uh, the ones that interest me the most are the ones that are right in between. So I uh, wanted to – I had a few ideas, examples, but I wanted to hear what you guys thought on um, – in the dunked on era, so since that time frame roughly, which player while on the same contract has oscillated the most from being thought of as overpaid to underpaid, or maybe vice versa, or maybe a few guys that have, you know, have gone there one way and then all the way back, or um, just, just wanted to hear what you guys, if you have any good examples of that. I mean, the first uh, one that yeah. comes to mind for me is Norman Powell. Where, I was going to say him too. Yeah, where I, I thought it was a negative value contract and he wasn't playing to that level and then he exceeded it and to the point where he opted out. Yeah, I think I think Norm Powell is a good one. I, you're right that the vacillation is really interesting. I don't have a ton of good ones there. And I think one of the more significant ones recently, I don't know that Andrew Wiggins is worth his contract, but if we want to say the margin between his contract and his value at the time has shifted a lot, that he's somebody else that's done that just by being a better player than he was early in his contract i got a few harrison barnes mm-hmm. uh buddy healed where i think he, i mean that was an extension i think people thought no, there weren't that many people who were like oh my god he's so overpaid when when that came out and now actually just, just me contract. i'm sorry <laughs> just me <laughs> Uh, you know, part part of that was that he aged a year during during the course of that contract as well. I mean, how does how does Kevin Love fit this? I mean, I know that the people around the league probably thought of that as positive value at one point, and in I the I don't think so. I don't think anybody ever did. I mean, there was those rumors for a long time that they were trying to get a first round pick for him. Uh, well, yes, never did. <laughs> many many teams have tried to get many first round picks. Uh, um, who else would be in this category here? I had a good one, and now I forgot it. I've been forgetting Chris, stuff all day. That's Chris a problem. Paul's actually, um, actually, yes, one. great one about who he signed with Russell Houston, Westbrook, probably too. Value. Even, yeah, yeah. Yep. So some of those, uh, yeah. I mean, I, many of these extensions when they're signed, Damian Lillard might be one of those. Although he, you're talking about someone who's started good, then went to bad, then went to good again. Um, let's see, who else am I thinking? Oh, or the other way around. Uh, yeah, I think Tim Taylor Hardaway Jr. One. Yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. would be one. I'd say I where he like basically, that, yeah, um, he he got dumped 
uh, as part of the big the big price in the Porzingis trade and then he apparently was considered a good contract because they essentially just gave him the same contract again <laughs> wasn't I, I Nate you're better at remembering this than I was there has been a player that was both traded for positive value and salary dumped on the same contract and I can't remember who it was I know it's happened oh surely it has let me see if I can think of a few a few more examples here on, uh, on this well uh we'll see what Michael Porter Jr. could end up in that category oh. at this point uh oh how about uh how about Will Barton on his last contract where he had all those injury issues I think he was kind of considered to be overpaid then he opted out of his contract and actually got paid a little bit more in the end that would be an interesting one uh let's see here um Ricky, Ricky oh. was the one that came to mind for me that's a, yeah that's a good one Andre Iguodala Andre Iguodala got salary dumped and then traded for positive value without ever having played a game. He, he went from one to the other. So is that a good one? Yeah, I think I think that's a great one. Yeah. Um. Gosh, who else should I be thinking of here that's in this category? Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is is I think he actually is like might be considered it's not a good contract. At least a player that teams are affirmatively trying to trade for, where it was probably viewed more as as toxic earlier. It would they're, be a wonderful. Are, it would be a wonderful redemption story. Oh, Larry. Nance is another, at least for the two of us, is an example of Je- that. Jetty Osman. That's where I, that's where I was originally going with that answer was was with Osman. Yeah. Now there there actually are more of those that, than you'd think, and it's interesting that a lot of these uh, end up being extensions as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. L- yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge with with the Spurs picking up his guarantee and then waiving him before he even got to the end of that guarantee. Oh boy, there are a bunch of those. I mean, Collie Stein and um I was going to say Andre Blatch, but Andre Blatch is a different thing. <laughs> Yeah, he 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 never like really vacillated. It just went bad uh, immediately. Were, were there any others uh, that you had, Justin? You guys, I've been thinking about this for two weeks, and you guys got almost all the list. Really, the only one that didn't come up with uh, was Boyan Bogdanovich um, when he took that deal with the, the Pacers, I believe. Oh, yeah, to be a, a bit much, and then he outplayed it and signed a bigger deal. So I thought that was another good one. Yeah, no, we were critical of them for for that, and it turned out to be quite wrong in, in the end. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting thought experiment, just kind of thinking about those guys on the margins, or not even on the margins, but kind of in between the clear positive or clear negative value and kind of how they can vacillate. Uh, the only one I'm going to keep an eye on going forward is actually, I hate to say it, but Julius Randle uh, with that extension. Ooh, yeah. He's playing like this. Yeah, they they jumped in uh, on him pretty pretty quickly there. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I'm encouraged that in this thought exercise, just off the top of our heads, we were able to get most of them. Yeah, the Iguodala one is a great one that I hadn't even thought about, which is a pretty hilarious uh, circumstance. But thanks, guys. Keep it up. Yeah, th- thank you. Appreciate it. Always good to hear from a, a longtime listener. Who's next here, Danny? Let's go to Wizards Film Room. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, so um, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report I made a. I, I, I had a story today about uh, Jeremy Grant um, and his like. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw this little nugget in the story, but um, it said that Grant is looking for a four-year, hundred twelve million dollar extension with like whatever team he gets traded to, and he has little interest in um in being in a, a role where he's not a, a featured offensive player. So one, um, I was I was wondering as a Wizards fan and as someone where like I've seen on Wizards Twitter like other fans like clamoring for jeremy grant i don't think he's worth that that price in a trade or in an extension i was wondering um do you guys think he's worth that extension um and two if he wants to be a um a a featured offensive player that's like he can't get traded to a contending team because i don't don't see him 
being in that role on a on, 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 on an actual contender. What do you guys think about well, that? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because on the Dunktown Prime that we just recorded about four hours ago, we probably spent maybe five to seven minutes on that question. So probably we don't necessarily want to step a, a, on well, that I'll, here. I'll, I mean, So I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. condense my part into something very quick, which yeah. is the duality where, to me, Jeremy Grant is worth an extension to the teams that he apparently doesn't want to play the role for. And so I, it's, it's interesting. You would think that a guy higher usage is more valuable but he I, I like him better in that smaller spot because he can you know his defense is, is at the level and he's not as much as he had that like three month stretch last year he's not that guy for for a team that actually wants to do something and you know value is a relative term and so that that's generally the way I would yeah I, I mean he's been very clear that he would rather play for a worse team and have a bigger offensive role and hey you know what? like that's I think a lot of people would be critical of that but and that's kind of against the ethos of like all right you're supposed to try to be a winning player but hey having the ball is fun right like basketball is fun that's the whole point of this is just to get out there and, and have fun and it's more fun to be the guy dribbling well and over and, the course beyond, of the game you get to experience that, more more power to yeah. him to to be open about that because it will lead it's more likely for grant to end up in a better situation because if he's more willing to sign an extension with a team that has that kind of role for him he has the right to express to express that preference and have it change the way teams value yeah, and, and, yeah. I mean, and just with the Wizards specifically, I know it's been thrown around if they were going to get into it. Rui or Avdia would be the price. You know, I'm not like so high on those guys, much higher on Avdia than Rui. I would say, I mean, if Detroit, if Detroit would accept Rui and a first for Jeremy Grant, I think as the Wizards, I might be interested in that. Although again, you just, you wonder about Jeremy Grant being, if you consider, right, we trade for him and then he's on a five-year deal for almost $130 million, more than $130 million. Yeah, the cap's going up, but he'll be 33 at the end of that contract. And, you know, kind of his reliance on his athleticism to some degree. Yeah, he's shown good skill development in his career. Maybe you could hope that he'll, he'll hold up a little bit better during that. But yeah, I mean, that's more really about me being lower on Rui uh, than it really being a Grant being an unbelievable fit for the Wizards. But, you know, if your goal is the, as an organization is to make it to the sixth seed, then you know, Jeremy Grant with a, a significant offensive role probably would help. And they need a, th- a third offensive creator in some form or fashion. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to Eric. Eric, you're on the air. Hey, guys. Great to talk to you. Um, Two next questions for you. First one, if you were Leon Rose, how would you approach the R.J. Barrett extension this summer, which a lot of Knicks fans are kind of torn on? And uh, two, the Knicks subreddit is really interested in pursuing De'Aaron Fox. Do you think the Knicks have a path to that? And would you do it if you were Rose again? The path to Fox, to me, would have to, if I were the Knicks, the path would involve Sacramento hopefully overvaluing some of the guys that we are are less into. You know, like if they really like Obi Toppin, hey, I mean, Toppin is interesting, but I think the idea that he's going to be a high-level impact starter without the growth of, as on defense or, you know, being a reliable three-point shooter, that's going to be harder. So if Sacramento really likes him, then you could potentially make something happen. And like as much as I like Emmanuel quickly, I really do, I think of 
of him more as a really nice complement to a lot of different player types rather than like the guy who's driving a really successful offense. So if, if Sacramento really likes those guys, but if they're basically RJ or bust or something like that, I think it's going to be very difficult. And with Barrett, I have been sometimes to my own fault, very aggressive in the idea that guys should not, unless you're a no brainer, you know, the Luka Doncic, Trey Young level, like close to all NBA or like almost certainty there that those really big contracts just don't give them out a year early. I said that was a mistake for DeMarcus Cousins and even De'Aaron Fox, a few other guys, even if it seems inevitable just because there's always uncertainty there. So for me, we'll see what happens over the next few months, but RJ Barrett has not met that higher threshold. So if he's in the, you know, max or close to max camp, I would say you can earn it over the next year. We'll be happy to pay you or negotiate a sign and trade, but I'm not giving, I'm not giving that to Barrett a year early unless we see a lot more like what we've seen the last couple yeah and i'll second that just saying hey i think rj barrett's looking like he'll be a solid starter that's kind of where i'd have him i know he's been awesome the last couple of weeks if he keeps that up the rest of the year then maybe your decision gets made a little bit more for you we have seen some of these max extensions porter jr is in this category fox there's maybe a little bit of buyer's remorse there as well ben simmons there's probably some buyer's remorse pascal siakam his wax and wayne he's playing better lately but there's at one time at least was buyer's remorse as well he would have been a good one for the contracts that went back and forth question Uh, we'll see how he continues to play but to me I, I think teams should largely be more aggressive I've, in making players go get their bag in restricted free agency like they did with the DeAndre Ayton. The Suns did with DeAndre Ayton. I think they've handled that the right way. It hasn't hurt their team so far this year. And if RJ Barrett kind of just continues along as some mix of the player he's been the last couple of weeks and the player he's been before that, I would say, hey, you know what? Like, if you go out there and earn a max contract this next year and you make yourself into a really high level of scorer and you know still solid defender and your shooting looks more reliable and all that stuff over the next year then we will will be right there for you with an offer that we think you deserve as as a all-star caliber young wing but to me if unless he's really gotten to the point where he's providing all-star production already i'm not giving him that ex- that max extension if there's something where you can get a significant discount you know jalen brown is kind of an interesting analog for them i like jalen brown a lot more when he was extended than i do barrett dude is superior size and shooting ability and i think better scoring too frankly more athleticism so if there would be an equivalent deal to that maybe a little bit below where Jalen Brown was that that's as high as I'd be willing to go this offseason for Barrett of course subject to the idea that he could be better in the the next three months and and change my opinion if you guys got the sense that Barrett was expecting an extension which I I kind of think he might be would you be seeking or or quietly looking to to maybe move him now or in the offseason you know, I think the fact that Julius Randle has sucked this year has really, I think, had to make the Knicks look in the mirror a little bit more about where they're at and what they're trying to do. You know, if you had, if you were of the mindset that, hey, Julius Randle was an all-star last year, he was awesome down the end, uh, the playoffs was a blip, and we expect him at age 20, 27 to continue to get better this season. And so if we could pair someone like Damian Lillard with him, all of a sudden we're a contender in the Eastern Conference. If that was your thinking before, that really can't be your thinking now. Randall just looks like last year was a complete aberration and he's just not necessarily going to be the guy you're going to build around. And as we noted, his contract is not looking amazing going forward here with four years after this one, plus a, a player option uh, starting at $26 million. 
So I don't really think that trading RJ Barrett for a veteran makes a ton of sense right now because they're not really quite ready to go anywhere anyway. Now, if it's a veteran who's a top five player in the league, like, you know, if it, if it were the Kevin Durant of three years ago or something like that, then yeah, go ahead and throw him in. And the, the sort of player where you're like, all right, this guy gets us to contention right now. That's great. If it's Damian Lillard. And so then you're just going to end up right in the exact same situation that Portland was in where you're just, you know, maybe competing for the six seed and you gave up a bunch of young assets. Then I don't think I would look to, to move whether it's Barrett or, or some of the other young assets at this point in time. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thanks for the question. That was, that's a good good Knicks question here. I'm interested to see what uh, the Knicks end up doing. There has not been a ton of noise around them. They've just got Cam Reddish as well. I think that's something that augurs maybe the direction that they're headed well, and, in. And that parallels, you know, the, the, I mean, the teams that played in the first round last year. How you respond to disappointment can be very insightful for a front office. I mean, we've seen a little bit of it with Schlank with the Cam Reddish trade, but then we'll see it with the Knicks and a few other teams as well. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house. Get that 100-night trial. They're 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us well oh let's get to zach zach you're on the air hey guys i'm kind of curious uh, in terms of a roster construction kind of question uh with a lot of the teams that have been contenders or kind of or won the championship the last five years they've been able to kind of rely on a a lineup uh that's uh, kind of more a small lineup in terms of the wars with draymond and the Lakers with AD at the five and kind of the Suns doing the same thing or the Bucks, excuse me, doing the same thing with Giannis. Do you see like in three to five years teams more using the traditional five as more of a specialized role rather than a set in stone starter sort of role? Or do you kind of think this is just a little bit overblown and more of just kind of the how the area is right now? It's, it's a great question to me, and I think that what will determine it long-term is supply, not only of high-quality centers and potentially those centers that are so good that, you know, right now I think that group's probably around 7-8 that don't get played off the floor, excluding, like, the teams just don't have any other players, like that, that, sort of, that sort of group. But then the other part of it, which I think can't get lost in the shuffle, and at times I think both fans and general managers have taken for granted, like, the, the success of the Warriors group in particular, is how important rim protection is if your goal is to compete for a championship with that kind of a lineup there's a reason why Draymond Green PJ Tucker Anthony Davis Giannis are happen to be involved in all those lineups and a lot of the other configurations that have failed at least at those high levels have failed is because you need a lot defensively to be good enough against those teams that you can face in the conference finals and the finals and so it is it is easy to say that's where things are going but it's almost as hard to to find the next Draymond Green Giannis like rim protector who's a little bit smaller as it is to find the next Joel Embiid Nikola Jokic just absolute bear of a center yeah I can add to that too that you got to have really quality throughout the lineup there are a lot of teams who I mean you you ultimately have to build a team around great offensive players and there are a lot of teams that just are, are not going to be able to if you have your team is built around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for example you're just not going to be able to switch that's just not something that your team is going to be able to do and so having that more versatile guy for those sorts of teams you almost really need a big center or say you're the Utah Jazz with the guys that they have well they you can't do any kind of switching or versatility stuff they're lucky 
enough to have Rudy Gobert, but uh, you know Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, like you're not going to be able to switch uh, with those guys. Not to mention uh, Boyan Bogdanovich or, or Joe Ingles at this point in his career. So that's part of it. I think is just getting quality throughout the positions in addition to getting that player. Now you would say if you get that player that you're dream on Green or you're Giannis, then you try to find more guys at the other positions along the lines of Drew Holiday. I think that the Bucks getting Drew Holiday was almost as important to their versatility as being able to play with Giannis at center. So that's a big part of it. But then the other thing I would say too is it's not clear that you have these offenses quite at the level relative to the league of LeBron James Cavs the Warriors uh, with Steph at his peak I thought maybe the Clippers could be that this team we got a glimpse of it last year where they could go small and because maybe you don't need that sort of versatility I think it's nice to have but maybe you don't need that if there isn't just that unbelievable offensive team maybe the the Brooklyn Nets can be that team but we haven't really found in the last couple of years you know 20 2019-20 the Clippers just weren't able to get there last year they they got injured and so did the Nets so this team that it's just okay we can't guard these guys unless we switch everything and we have so much versatility maybe that team's not going to be out there every year as well that's the, that's the other thing I'd say so I still think you know being able to switch a lot being able to space the floor at all five positions I mean that's the holy grail if you could build a team like that you're just really difficult to match up against it's just I don't know that that team is going to be out there every year that also is going to make all these other teams have to try to match up that way too the way the Rockets tried to with Golden State all those years awesome appreciate it guys yeah, thanks for the for the great question. That that was fun. Who's next here, Danny? Uh, Mike, you should be on the air. Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah, Mike. No, I, we've interacted a, a lot on Twitter. Good, good to hear from you finally. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, wanted to hop in here and ask you guys a, a Cavs question. Um, you know, Elo Elo now has Cavs tied with the Heat for most projected wins. Uh, they're they're fifth in cleaning the glass net rating. Um, you know, I obviously don't think that they're quite the, the same level of, of team as, you know, the Bucks, Heat, et cetera, in the playoffs. But, um, you know, potentially finishing as a top four seed potentially changes the outcome for them in the playoffs in terms of whether they can win a series with KD going down. So uh, looking for your guys' thoughts on sort of the four players that the Cavs have been, I guess, most linked to um, in the recent cycle. I guess it's uh, Gary Harris. Karis LeVert, Eric Gordon, and potentially Buddy Heald in terms of who you guys would potentially target as a fit for this team that could potentially put them over the the hump, you know, maybe winning one playoff series if they get one of those top four seeds in the East. Yeah, so Danny and I talked about this one on Dunktown Prime today as well. I... I'm coming at this with the default that they should not be giving up significant future assets at this point in their development. They still don't know whether Colin Sexton is going to be a part of this team long-term. Evan Mobley is obviously very early in his evolution. Darius Garland still has a ways to go as well. You could say, yeah, they definitely need some more guys on the wing. And I think you know, they're, they're good enough, as you alluded to, that I think making some moves to try to shore up their rotation on the wing makes some sense. Uh, maybe a backup point guard as well well but i wouldn't want to go to the level of giving up a first round pick or maybe even probably someone like isaac okoro honestly to make that happen so with all that said i think i like harris the best number one because i he 
I think he gives them closest to what they need as a defender. I like him the best defensively of those players that you mentioned. And then also, I think he could be had for less than a first round pick. Like I think Rubio and a second or two could be enough potentially to get well, you Gary also, Harris. And then the other thing is, sorry, one yeah, other thing ahead, to add in with Harris, unless unless his value goes wild between now and then, you could potentially re-sign him and still have enough wiggle room to get to keep Sexton under the cap. Like I mean, if you Eric Gordon's going to make twenty million next year, some of the other guys. Could be a bigger challenge yeah. so. or uh, under the tax yeah under under the tax, the tax you mean danny yes sorry yeah. thank you for the correction um no i think that's a great point too and eric gordon i think is better and would help them more this year but i think more teams are going to be competing for him than harris and then he's under contract for a number that probably would bust them into the tax next year which i mean maybe they're willing to pay that i don't know but for this group but still uh, he's old enough that when this team i still think they should be pushing for to be really good three four years from now with such a nice young core as they have so uh, yeah i think that's why i, I would probably prioritize harris i think he he gives them the closest combination of what they need and attainability and potential for being part of the team in the future um did, did you have any thoughts on that mike yeah i think i'm with you guys in terms of prioritizing harris i like the idea of moving off the houston second rounder that they have as opposed to trading a first i agree with you that they're still early in the development curve um, while still wanting to sort of take advantage of the potential opportunity of finishing with the top four seed and avoiding having to play uh, Miami, Milwaukee, uh, Nets team in the first round. Um, but, you know, I think, like you said on a previous pod as well, Eric Gordon is probably not going to sustain this level of play for the rest of the year, let alone the next two years. So I think it's probably likely that, he's not going to live up to his contract number next year. Whereas, you know, Gary Harris with a little more youth, a little more defensive versatility could potentially fit better into the construction of the team. Once you either have sex and back or potentially move on from him um, for next year. Yeah. All right. Good, good stuff there. One other, on one the other Cavs. thing on the Cavs before yeah, we so, move on oh, that I want to mention is when Darius Garland's been on the floor, they're cleaning the glass net rating is plus 9.2 in over 2,600 possessions. They played a hard schedule so far and the non-Garland minutes are going to be a problem. That's not to say the Cavs are that good permanently, but the idea that they might just be, they, that we might just have to recalibrate more fully our expectations that they are a very good team. I think it's on the table. I'm not saying it's the only interpretation right now. I'm just, I'm starting to work myself into that potential thing but let's move on to kyle kyle you're on the air yeah hey guys uh we're not going to move on too far uh because i also had a calves a a calves question um but i I think we can probably have a fairly short answer to this one uh, um because mike didn't touch on the exact thing that that i want to ask about so anyways my question is i don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the Cavs uh uh in their crunch time win against brooklyn uh just yesterday but really their their big their, their three big lineup did defend brooklyn Kyrie, and james harden in crunch time quite well um combining that with darius garland going off this week you know he had that 18 assist game, uh, and then obviously all, uh, all of their net rating and SRS uh, sort of love that, that those metrics have for them. I'm just curious what we'll need to see from Cleveland to begin taking them a bit more seriously, even this year, and obviously again next year when they when they uh, reinforce and get healthier. I'm not sure there's much else they can do, honestly, just because I think uh, the inexperience 
And then also, I think that they have a group that, you know, that they have a group that has some very acute strengths and weaknesses and in the playoffs in certain matchups that doesn't work that well. So, I mean, what's what's taking them seriously to you? Is that potentially winning a first round series? Is that taking them seriously enough or, or are you talking about even I, beyond that? Yeah, I think to me, it's 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 saying that this defense can scale against some of the best because really their defense is where they hang their hat. Right. Right. Um, and up until this point against Brooklyn, they hadn't really shown that against the best. So to me, I think the defense is really where it starts. And then obviously, if Gar- <coughs> excuse me, Garland's improvement, as well as bringing back Sexton and maybe someone else can, can just kind of, you know, rise the floor, uh, raise the floor of the offense. Well, I'll say for me to take them more seriously, it's actually going to be the offensive end because that is such a centerpiece of successful playoff teams. And that's, for me, I'll I'll think of it as two phrases. One is offensive versatility. Can they beat teams in different ways? And then something you'll hear me say a lot, which is undeniability. Is there a way offensively, are there things that the Cavs can eventually do that other teams can't really stop? Because if it's going to be a Garland-centric attack and they don't really have, maybe it'll be Sexton, but they don't really have a second way to go. It's going to be hard against the best of the best. That's the you know that that can be the type of team that unless their defense is like the best in the league in the playoffs that it's going to be hard to make it through you know three rounds if we're if that's what we're starting to talk yeah yeah i mean i think they would have a decent chance to beat in chicago if if they were to match up with them potentially in the four or five and but i think i'd have them as pretty substantial underdogs against the top three in the east assuming again health i mean that's you you asked what would need to happen for us to take them seriously (laughs) well if kevin durant doesn't come back and kyrie irving is still only playing in road games and the bucks or the heat have significant injuries that helps you take them a lot more seriously but i think it's really kind of more about those teams if those teams are playing at their best, I don't consider the Cavs as a, a significant threat to them yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. Still, still a pretty great place to be with all your starters, twenty-four hundred. So feeling oh, good. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, fun, fun team to watch too with the, with Mobley and uh, Allen and Garland. Uh, Garland in particular is a, a great watch these days. Sure thing. Thanks, guys. Let's go to booster number twelve. You are on the air. Yeah, hey guys. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Grizzlies. Um, one of the best stories in the NBA right now, exceeding expectations. Uh, they got a great young core, and I feel like the chemistry is there. But they also have three first-round draft picks this year. Do you think it might be time to to make a move and push some a serious pile of chips in the center of the table, or is it still too early for that? I think they should. I, I've actually been beating this drum probably for about a month now, uh, honestly, that getting another high-level starter in there, the injury to Miles Turner complicates things, but I actually would have been interested to see Miles Turner. I mean, they can go one of two directions. They can go for, I mean, Turner is, is somewhat of a unique animal with his shooting and shot blocking. I don't think I would want to throw in for a traditional center upgrade who doesn't shoot the ball. Uh, but the other one I was thinking of that they might try to go for is Jalen Brown. I don't know that there's anyone else out there though i want to see what you think on this danny where i would say hey let's let's throw in two or in the case of braun obviously more than two first round picks to get this player it's a challenge because i think that conceptually the time is pretty good for it it could be either at the deadline or in the off season but the, as nate brought up the issue is supply like i would either I, I, like the guys that i would be most interested in there i'll throw he's a different level player because i like what jalen brown does as a secondary creator more than og and Anobi, but og would be filthy on this team and i'm still not all the way there on dylan brooks as like the third or fourth best player on a really good team i think he can help a good team 
team, but he takes some really bad shots and I don't, he's a little bit small to take some of the more challenging assignments. So yeah, I like Turner. Jalen Brown would be awesome if you can get in there. And, but I, but I think the idea of going in sooner is a totally reasonable one for Memphis. And I don't know, this feels like a time that somebody's going to shake loose that surprises us. And so that's why Zach Lyman should be shaking everything to see what comes loose. Yeah, but it really, to me, would have to be a solid sub-all-star level of player. And I think really Brown, who is not really, doesn't sound like he's that available, or Turner, who I would consider in that range. Even Jeremy Grant, I don't think would be the guy that I would want. I don't think he would move the needle enough for them and potentially giving him an extension as well. I think they want someone who's even a little bit higher a level. Nate, even how would you feel guy. about rolling the dice on somebody? Like, I'm not saying he's available, but like doing a Jonathan Isaac trade. You don't give up the premium stuff, but it is a commitment in terms of financial resources to say, if it works, it would work really well. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to do that as the magic. I don't think I want to get two lower half of the first round picks would i trade jonathan isaac for that i i kind of like i want if i'm the magic i want to see what isaac and franz wagner can do together i think those guys are a really nice fit they are nice in fit. the front court i realize isaac has his injury issues also the the grizz might be a little gun shy about trading for uh, a wing who got extended and then has a bunch of injury issues <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out too yep. well last time parsons um, did just retire so we're good there oh Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was talking about Justice Winslow. So, yeah. We're, that, too. Uh, plenty of history there. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown so. would cost a pretty penny. I think they'd want the couple first rounders and maybe even Desmond Bain. I don't know if the front office would there would go there yet. Well, I wouldn't. I would not want to give up Bain in that. I think I would have to go with. I mean, you know, you probably have to put Melton in there. Yeah, Kyle Kyle Anderson, uh, Jarrett Culver. That would be the, your matching salary, and you'd. I, I would want to do it entirely with draft pick compensation because I think a big part of why you acquire Jalen Brown is because you've got an elite shooter at the two and Bain. You got a shooter in theory at the five with jaron jackson and so you slot him right in at the at the three but you don't want to create another hole the two you're doing this with the idea of hey we're going to complete our team you know we'll we'll, and hey i i might even consider honestly to say hey we're gonna and now you would also need to talk to jenna brown and see whether he was interested in staying and whether he's interested in extending but assuming that he were i might be down to go with the three first round picks and two swaps and maybe even above that level, honestly, um, to to get Jalen Brown. And but yeah, giving up Bain in that kind of defeats the purpose of acquiring Brown to begin with, which is hey, let's go win right now. Yeah, I just don't see. You know, the Grizzlies are young. Three first round draft picks probably doesn't do a lot. You're. Uh, you, you would lose development time for your young guys by tra- taking three first-round draft picks. So I think some sort of package makes the most sense. I was just curious for your guys' thoughts. So thanks. Absolutely. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed 
to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil let's go to el gordo we're gonna we're gonna end pretty soon nate and i need to get to oracle for pistons warriors but el gordo you are on the air all right so quick question gentlemen so jalen brunson as a math fan i'm not in love with the idea of paying him 20 mil a year what do you think not that what they would do but what should they do i'm of the belief that they should trade him before the deadline because i feel like if we we're not gonna let him walk right so likely we'll give him the four years, 80 mil that he's probably going to command. At that point, I feel like he loses much of his value. And if we were to use him as a trade piece next season, we would have to do something like take back a worse salary in order to extract, you know, the right amount of value. What would you guys do? And then secondly, I saw that there was a rumor that apparently the Knicks are enthralled with the idea of Brunson. Based on what they currently have, what do you think they should offer? or what do you, And what do you think the Mavs should accept from the Knicks? if that deal would have materialized. The hard part of it for me is I agree with you on the idea that Brunson at $20 million a year is, is a hard thing, even though, you know, as Mark Cuban's money, if he's willing to pay it, he's willing to pay it. They don't have a lot of financial flexibility. But the idea of market value, I think, is extremely important here because they might want to, at some point, convert Brunson into something else. The part that's hard for me is it would it largely hinges on what other teams are going to offer. There was the reporting from Mark Berman that the Knicks are really interested. Well, what does really interested mean from the Knicks' perspective? If they're going to give you somebody that you think can grow with Luka, somebody that can fit in well with your team. Of course, those franchises have traded before, albeit with different different front offices. And so, so it's where what what are teams really mean to offer? Because if you're trading away Jalen Brunson in a deal, to me, you have to be getting somebody that is credibly the third or fourth best player on the Mavericks for the next three years. And if you're not getting that, if it's a accumulation of mediocre assets, it's going to be so hard to get that other guy because Dallas doesn't have that flexibility. Yeah, to, to me, I mean, I, I completely understand where you're coming from here and Brunson and Luca together they're they just don't seem like the greatest fit they both play this somewhat deliberate style neither of them really likes to shoot spot ups that much even though maybe they can make them now you he helps with the in the minutes when Luca sits I'm not reading too much into the fact that he really struggled last year in the playoffs. I think that's a small sample and against a, a team that is a difficult matchup. They wouldn't be facing that team all the time necessarily. But I think the thing that maybe saves it for the Mavs 
is that nobody's going to have space for Brunson. And so then you can maybe re-sign him on a deal that you could trade him on later. But I, I do agree. You know, they've got Finney Smith as a free agent too. Their salary structure starts to get a little impacted, particularly when they're going to be paying $30 million to the combination of Hardaway and Reggie Bullock next year. So I'm, I, I would definitely be listening. And I think, you know, if it's just one shitty first, I would probably just hold on to him. If you can get more than that, I think I probably would pull the trigger on Jalen brunson of jalen brunson trade so i definitely am thinking very seriously about it and yeah i mean yeah i don't feel great about paying jalen brunson 20 million a year uh you know he's that's what he's gonna be asking for i think that's not a ridiculous ask but there isn't really the team out there other than maybe detroit that wants a point guard and can give him that either in which case you're kind of uh you're you hope as dallas maybe you can just re-sign him for less than that with bird rights and move on with him on a quality contract would Cam in our in our own, in Dallas's own pick be too much for him? Do you think the Knicks balk at that? Oh, oh Cam Reddish and giving Dallas. I their actually pick think back? that's to me that's too hmm. weak a return. For, it's not too weak a return overall. It's just how do you turn that into that the right player for Dallas? Like, I mean, I like Reddish, but it's going to take some time to figure out what he is. And then that Dallas pick. I mean, Dallas's hope is that their pick is going to be kind of bad. But does it, wouldn't that put Dallas in a conversation? That would more so than a return for Brunson. I feel like it would allow us to start actually trading away first round picks. That pick that we owe the yeah. Knicks is why we have to push them out so far. And I feel That's like fair. we don't have young players that at least gets us in the conversations with packages that are just pick oriented and swap oriented and etc. Because I feel like we have a pick hmm. this year. That's a good Point thought. guards are the most replaceable thing in the league, and especially somebody who is not an elite athlete like Brunson. We can probably get a facsimile of him somewhere in the draft. Reddish is the prototype of what you want as a as a big wing. Maybe he works, maybe he doesn't, but the chances of Cam are about or the same as what we would get in the draft. That would free us up to draft a point guard in the draft. And then, like I said, now we have our picks. But I feel like I took too much of your time. Thank you, guys. No, no, it, it's all good points. And I, and I think the idea of potentially getting stuff that you could flip, it, could they be a Jeremy Grant destination? I think that that might be an, an interesting fit, particularly if they don't have Brunson anymore. They, they're a team that maybe could allow Jeremy Grant to operate as close to a first option when Luka is out of the game. And maybe that would mollify him with his desires to still have a large role on the offensive end, or maybe bring back someone like Harrison Barnes instead. Because I think having someone at those positions would be more important important than Brunson and, and as I said he's not a, a perfect fit so I, I think I probably would do that deal if I were if I were Dallas if you could get that for Brunson because I just I'm not sure where you're going if you re-sign Brunson on a commensurate deal with, with what he's looking for like he's a good player you don't want to lose him for nothing but I also don't think the opportunity cost of like oh my god if we lose Jalen Brunson we're just sunk here I would rather have the assets that are more easily tradable potentially into the future and as you mentioned it doesn't and to be clear by the way this is some CBA nerdery it doesn't have to be the Mavs own first round pick that they get back in 2023 they would just need to get some 2023 first round pick from any team and then that would open them up to trade their 2022 if they wanted to or if they could get a 2022 pick and then they could trade one of the other ones because it's just you, you can't have the possibility of being without any first round pick in back-to-back -back years uh, under the Stepien rule that's how that works so that pink kit from another team can't be protected it would have to be unprotected because technically there would be the chance that if it doesn't convey then you are still left without that first exactly okay gotcha all right, you want to do one more here, Danny? Yeah, we can do one more. Um, let's let's have if if Drew can connect, you can be on the air. Hey, hey, fellas, I got a uh, quick question for you. 
Do you think the uh, Los Angeles Lakers or the Chicago Bulls better making the uh, fun? Uh, Lakers have tons of problems, we know, but they got LeBron and AD, but they also got Russell Westbrook. Chicago's had a great year, <laughs> but they got nobody to guard Giannis or KD, and they're super reliant on DeMar. So what do you think? Hmm. I I want to say I'm 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 not hearing Nate at the second, so I'll I'll start with my answer. And I'm gonna go, I feel so weird to say this, but I'm gonna go with the Lakers because to me, making the NBA Finals is more about peak than expected value because you have to be you know you have to reach a level in all likelihood. There have been exceptions, teams that got good injury luck and everything else, and being the healthiest viable team in your conference is often enough to get there. But I don't. That's a, yeah yeah I am. It's fine. Um. But so. For for me, the it's it's more as crazy as this is. It's more plausible that the Lakers can just figure out the things that are flawed there because they have this foundation with LeBron and AD, and they're a buyout destination conceptually. So maybe they can get somebody there that I'm not expecting. And with Chicago, yeah, I guess they could push some chips in with Patrick Williams and a couple other things to get there. But for them to, they'd probably have to beat at least two of the Heat, Bucks, and Nets. Probably have to beat, and then another probably another capable team at some point. That's a lot to ask for a team that hasn't really done that yet. So if I'm going to say who's more likely to make the finals, as weird as it is, I'm going to go with the Lakers. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, once the Lakers fire their coach, all their problems will be solved, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, Frank Vogel is, is the issue there. But to me, the Bulls have an easier path potentially just because I think there a lot of these teams in the East just seem to have injury issues and just are kind of struggling to get it together. And you could see if Drew Holiday goes down that maybe they could beat the Bucs. They'd probably still favor the Bucs at, at that point. Or Jimmy Butler seems to be healthy only half the time. And the Nets are completely snakebitten. They're only going to have eight games possibly the rest of the season unless Kyrie gets vaccinated to even play the big three together and they haven't played that well either so the Bulls path is I think is way easier than the Lakers whereas I mean it's because the three best regular season teams are all in the west right now and I don't really see how the Lakers beat any of those guys unless they have significant changes I do think the Lakers do have a higher upside still going into the playoffs and the Bulls just, I don't see how the Bulls get to be what I would consider to be a championship quality team. Whereas I do think the Lakers, annoying as it is, still do have the, that potential with LeBron and AD. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's better ceiling, but probably lower median outcome and harder path versus higher median outcome, lower ceiling, possibly easier path due to injuries. I guess I would say... I would say the Bulls also because the Lakers are probably going to have to come out of the play in too. That's going to be difficult. The Lakers, I mean, they almost certainly the Lakers would have to play all three of Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. One of one of them, one of them might knock of them. off one of the other ones, but yeah, it'll be it'll be tough. Well, well, so let's if the Lakers got the eighth seed, then they would have to beat whoever the number one seed was, and then you know obviously they would have to probably play the other team in the conference finals. If they get the seventh seed, then they would have to beat the two, then the three. And then the one, and maybe maybe Memphis gets in there too, but Memphis look pretty damn formidable also. Yeah, I'll go with Chicago finally. Sorry it took so long to talk through that, but I, I think Chicago, it's just that path for the Lakers is just me too hard. And no, that yeah, will that do it for today. Oh, thanks, thanks. Thank yeah. No, uh, yeah, so we're going to get
get going to tonight's Warriors game, but thanks so much uh, for listening. Also a reminder that we are having a sale on Dunked on Prime right now if you're listening on the public pod or on Twitter Spaces with a substantial discount for a year-long total access membership that gets you our salary sheets, that gets you Danny's and my chats, access to our Discord as well, which is a, a great place this time of year to kick around some trade ideas with other basketball nerds. And you get it for cheaper over the course of a year than you would just by signing up for the podcast and paying the monthly price that whole time. So really good deal, dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. And we'll talk to you all again tomorrow. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.